Hey everyone, just a quick warning about the sound quality of this episode. We had quite shit microphones when we first recorded and it sounds like we are underwater. Hopefully we've since fixed that, but uh, please bear with us for this first one and listen in small doses. Welcome to How They Get You. The podcast where we tell you why you bought that thing you had no intention of buying. Mm. We'll talk to you about marketing and advertising and all the kind of forces that are trying to get you to spend your cash. I'm here with my pal Faye Crookshank. Faye Crookshank's a bit of an expert. Uh, why don't you? <laughs> why don't you tell us a bit about your your creds? We hate experts, though, Laura. Um, Yeah, so I'm Faye Crookshank, and I have worked in kind of branding and marketing at one of those pesky uh, global conglomerates um, for a number of years. And yeah, I just really like talking about brands and, you know, adverts, why brands do what they do. And if anything, this is probably just a good outlet for me. So I stopped talking about brands on dates and download them to you an appreciative audience i'm talking to laura <laughs> oh, okay i thought you were just talking to our listeners out there and i was like Hi, oh, listeners. Cool. <laughs> trust, but i'm into it uh, i'm laura gilbert i do not work for a multi-glom core but i have watched the entirety of mad men most of it twice through so uh yeah wow. I think then i think we're both mighty qualified i think i got a little something and, uh... to bring to the table <laughs> We have both purchased things. <laughs> On multiple occasions. Sometimes mm. more than one a day. Um, speaking of purchasing, I wanted to ask you, Faye Crookshank of Faye Crookshank fame, what have you been manipulated into buying this week? Mm. Um, great question. I think with us being in lockdown, buying things has become even more of a nice hobby than it was before because I've been, um, you know, privileged enough to to have continued working so I am constantly on Instagram which is something I'm quite new to I was very against Instagram for a number of years and (laughs) now I just find that's that's for another podcast um but now I find that going that scrolling through Instagram is basically just like walking down the street of shops kind of looking in all the windows not even really being not even looking into the windows kind of having the windows forced into your face um so I am unashamed to admit that linking quite well with what we're going to talk about in this podcast today that I have been heavily influenced and bought many things on Instagram and this week uh, it was the Anna edit that cheeky cow who um, got me again with some spot cream which costs a hundred euro me being in Dublin now I uh European I think of everything in Europe I I know, English pounds, it doesn't have the same ring to it. Um, Yeah, 100 European euro. And I feel disgusted with myself. And I can't even say whether it works or not yet. So, um, but I'm excited to receive it nonetheless as a little hit of serotonin in the post. Well, I hope it does what it's promised to do. Presumably removes it. So do I. I don't know. I mean, what what is what is For 100 euro, it better give me a whole new bloody face. (laughs) Okay, and uh, okay, same question to you. I also got got by that Anna edit. Uh, she <laughs> she's was, everywhere. She's she's in my she's living in my head rent free. Um, she was working with a jam company. I want to say Bon Maman, 
but I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to go ahead and say it was them. Um, if not, enjoy this free product placement. And they were doing some kind of pancake stuff for Pancake Day with lemon curd and creme fraiche. So we we got that lemon curd and creme fraiche and it was good. But, you know, it probably was the equivalent of like 20? No, wait. Your spot cream is probably 20 lemon curd creme fraiche combos. So everything's just a matter of value. Wow. <laughs> and I can't put it on my pancakes either. And what's wrong with just lemon and sugar? Like, what was the sell? Oh, I guess because in my head, it was going to be this like delightful lemon meringue vibe. Like you got a lot more density and like creaminess with that because you got the sort of... Mm. Yeah, but I didn't realize how thick lemon curd is because I thought it was just like lemon jam but apparently they just kind of put egg and whatnot in it so it's kind of like a citrusy it's a viscous yeah viscous boy it was a viscous boy especially when you mix it with like I'm sold (laughs) well maybe I shall become an influencer speaking of influencers that's the theme of today's show specifically working with Instagram influencers to a get people to purchase that stuff. I want sure. to ask if you were up for a little quiz question. Yes, please. Um, okay, so what I have here... You know I love quizzes. ...is Hopper HQ Instagram Rich List for 2020. And the Ooh. Instagram Rich List basically is meant to rank who on Instagram can demand the most for a sponsored post, um, for an advertising Okay, post. so is this like... Someone's like ranking their how strong their brand is and what their value is. Yeah, and like they literally do it by value of posts. So this is 2020. It came out last summer. I want to see if you Hmm. can guess anyone in the top five. So this is global, right? Yes. Um, Okay. So my knowledge of the Jenners is quite limited, but I would go for Kylie Jenner. She is number two. Uh Uh-huh. Jenna, how's it a guess for anyone else? Okay, so I'm trying to think who the big hitters on Instagram are. Like, again, are these like, for example, Selena Gomez had like the most influence of follow- Instagram followers. She's number at some six. Point, right? Ah, so she is. Okay, so we're talking like kind of hybrid quasi celebs as well as uh, influencers. Okay, so you've got uh, old Selena, Kylie. I will ask is anyone male on this list or are they all female? Yes. There is a male. Yes, uh, I would one... say celebrity helps to be at the very top. That is my little hint uh-huh. for you. Is it Bieber? Is it Biebs? Uh Bieber is not in the top five. <sighs> he is number eight. Oh, close. Um, is it I... Kim K? Kim K is number four. Oh, but a man is number one. A man is number one and number three. Bloody is. <laughs> okay. Um, God, you can't even, can't even beat him selling lipsticks, can we? Okay. Uh a man i can't think of any instagram men um i think give me a clue so um give you a clue he's uh a sturdy fellow oh a sturdy fellow (laughs) i don't get the eyebrow raise reference what's the euphemism here sturdy fellow is he hard is it tom hardy no it's not tom hardy (laughs) going along the right path oh okay um of word Sturdy. association. Ox. 
Oxes are sturdy. There hard is. things are sturdy. Is it hard? Am I on the right lines? With... No. I don't want to continue saying hard on this podcast. We'll get flagged. What would your mother think? Um... <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. Okay. I just don't know celebrities. You want me to tell you? Please. Dwayne Johnson. What? As the, the Rock. Rock. He is <laughs> number one of the Hopper HQ Instagram Rich List 2020. And they say he can command $1,015,000 a post. Jesus. Number three was well, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh. Number five is Ariana Grande. Beyonce is number hmm. seven. And uh, Bieber mm, beats Taylor Swift. He's only number nine. <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny, isn't okay. it? Because uh, it's not the. I would not have guessed The Rock. I'm no. impressed by his well savviness. But there we go. So, I got a question for you, Faye. How would you define mm-hmm. an influencer? Okay. Yeah. Great question. Um, Thanks. So I was looking into this uh, before we were doing this podcast because I yeah I like to look at definitions of things and I was kind of thinking right well in my head I now I think of an influencer and I think of like a person so I would draw this kind of female weighed down by brands but in a very chic way um yeah exactly on their shoulders just beige diptyque candles and (laughs) no Malone coming out of every pore um but no I think So I was looking into what the actual definition of an influencer was. And I was surprised that influencer was only added to the dictionary in 2019. That is shocking. Um, So, and I think we think influencers are a very kind of modern phenomenon in terms of how we're kind of sold things. But what I think it is, is Instagram and social media has just sort of consolidated a place for them to all sort of hang out Um one definition of influencers that I found was just someone able to sway the decisions of potential purchasers and brands using these quote unquote influencers has existed for a really long time, way before Zoella was even a glint in <laughs> Instagram's eye. So when do you think the first influencers were? Um, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Yeah. She was like, please get that apple. <laughs> It's delicious. Hashtag gifted. Um, so, but you're not you're not far off. I mean, my classical history knowledge is quite poor, but I thought this is really funny. So apparently, the first influencers were in ancient Rome, and gladiators gla- gladiators gladiators used to endorse products. So I just had this great kind of mental image of Russell Crowe strutting around, killing a man, and then just swigging a can of diet coke. I feel like he'd be a Pepsi partner for some reason. I oh, really yeah. feel like that's a Pepsi Max advert. What What would Russell Crowe say about that? I don't know what Russell Crowe would say about that. I'm just saying Pepsi Max's brand seems to be a bit, a bit more gladiatorial. A bit more, a bit more violent. Well, I think yeah, there is well. that big box office like vibe. Like remember when they did that advert with um um <laughs> and they were trying to capsize off like the protests that were like happening over all the like you know oh, various yeah. terrible issues. And it was like oh yeah world peace was kind of solved because a cop got a can of pepsi max like i just feel like that's more their vibe whereas coca-cola i don't know i don't think they want to align just with about them. happiness isn't it? it's a bit more okay fair enough they've got a bit more well, chill i don't know 
<laughs> well, nevertheless, the first influences go back to ancient Rome. And yeah, so influences as a concept have been around for a long time. But if you go back to more recent history, the first examples of brands really kind of taking advantage of this was royal approval. So um, Wedgwood Pottery, which is very close to my heart, being from being from the potteries myself, Stoke-on-Trent, um, pottery brands basically wanted to be endorsed and associated with the royal family uh, so that us plebs would see if this dinner plate is good enough for the royals to eat their dinner off. It's good enough for Joe Bloggs here. <laughs> the likes uh, of us. The likes of us. Um, and royal approval is something that has continued and some brands still use it today. So like Fairy uh, Washing Up Liquid has the royal seal. Which, again, really makes me laugh because the thought of Queenie doing a bit of washing up. Yeah. But um, yeah, so this is just about influencers are just like credible third parties who endorse or are kind of associated with the brand um, on behalf of the brand. And we're going to talk a little bit more about why that's so effective. Yeah, I suppose I kind of wanted to ask the difference between spokespeople and the sort of Instagram influencers we see today, because, you know, for a very long time, it'd be a pretty standard advertising practice to find like a celebrity, be they an actor or a singer or an athlete, and kind of pop them in your adverts, like your TV advert, your poster, on your packaging, whatever. So you have that kind of advertising, and then you have this other kind which is more in feed so what is the sort of difference between the two okay so yeah I love this question so what do you think the difference between a kind of celebrity so you said you said kind of brands using celebrities in their adverts what do you think the difference between a celebrity and an influencer is I think celebrity is a subset of influencer so um I want to say Davina McCall is in a hair dye advert (laughs) is that true yeah Okay. Yeah, she, and a funny fact. Funny fact about that advert that I again, I feel like this podcast is going to be full of a lot of unsubstantiated facts that I'm going to have to go back and cite. Um, but yeah, she's in that Garnier Nutrice hair advert. I remember being like blasted on in the early noughties. and the whole idea of that advert. She's talking to her mom. And her mum's like, great hair, Davina. But apparently Davina McCall has no relationship with her mum. Or oh, she's really? like, not in her life or she's dead or something. So oh, it's actually no. quite Again, I might have pulled that out of like the fog of my brain. But anyway. God, you um, should check that yes, before this makes final edit. I really should fact check that. Sorry, oh, Davina. In um, so yeah, go on. Sorry. Uh, it is going to end up on the cutting room floor. Um, <laughs> I guess... So the idea of like kind of the celebrity influencer and let's go for Davina McCall, for example, she yeah. is independently famous. And when she is in an advert, we kind of assume mm-hmm. that she's just been paid a whole lot of money. Whereas there's this other class of Instagram influencers who are kind of just famous for being themselves within certain famous within certain communities Mm -hmm. so they cultivate a following essentially through living their life um perhaps they have Mm -hmm. an interest in skincare or fashion or interiors or likely kind of a combination of all of them if we're talking about lifestyle influencers and people sort of follow them because they just like their vibe they kind of want to emulate the vibe so you have all these individuals. Mm. Um, in my head, they're normally like a youngish woman, but you know they can be any like age, any gender, whatever. Um, and 
that's what makes it different when they do it because part of you is like is this a sort of endorsement in that it is part of their life and I assume as a marketer that's what you kind of want to project is when an influencer is using your particular brand of jam that's because they vouch for (laughs) your jam whereas I don't know if the celebrities um, promoting like head and shoulders or whatever actually do use head and shoulders I kind of assume not yeah we know that Jennifer Lopez we don't know if she likes jam (laughs) yeah I think it's a great point I think what it all comes down to is relatability. So celebrities, yeah, you're right. They're famous in their own right. They have all their own own jam going on and they are kind of recognisable outside and away from products and and just stuff because they have a specific um, reason for existing other than products. So I think when brands are using kind of spokespeople, as we might call them, in an advert, I really think it's a way to piggyback on their fame to get the brand fame so I think it's a way for it's to kind of cheat your way to popularity like this celebrity is recognizable therefore my brand is now recognizable because I'm associated with this person like Ellie Goulding for Pantene or mm. uh, Davina McCall for Garnier Nutrice and her mom and so yeah with influencers you're right it's it's different even though obviously some influencers now the lines are blurred right so uh, influencers are a subset of celebrity. You know, you'd recognise them walking down the street, and you do get some influencers now in adverts. Like, I feel like we might talk a lot about Mrs. Hinch today, but she's almost now a celebrity. And they have other things going on. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Zoe Sorgano, um writes books and stuff. Other people will kind of appear on TV shows. I think Kate Spears appears on like Scotland's Best Home. Um, so yeah, it isn't just like a, they're not purely consumers. They also have these sort of other strings to their bows increasingly. Yeah. And increasingly, but so I think the reason why influencers are influencers and it's a bit of a different kind of role or objective in, in, in why brands use them is all about relatability. And it's all about basically these people are real people. So I was trying to find some stats in terms of why influencer marketing is so allegedly effective. And from a lot of what I could dig up and a lot of kind of what I've found, a lot of it just comes down to like word of mouth. So if you were to tell me, Laura, what things do you think make you buy a brand? If you're looking at all the possible influences that might make you, or a product or just anything, right? What do you think makes you buy something? Um, I suppose it probably depends on the product because I'm... I'm a bit of a hesitant shopper for most things, with the exception of like food and drink. Um, I will like spend quite a lot of money on food and drink, but then I'm I don't buy a lot of other stuff. So as you said, kind of word of mouth. If someone recommends something to me, I might be into it. If I'm looking for a particular, um, good ass question. Um, yeah. I guess like friends and trusted sources. But what is interesting, I guess, is also occasionally i'll read you know online magazines or whatever and they'll be like oh here's like some stuff to like you know here like x number of best restaurants or whatever and i'll be like great but i would specifically think that was more trustworthy because it isn't an ad or it isn't sponsored content and in my head someone is actually going through Mm -hmm. all the restaurants and they are picking out the best ones even though that isn't always the case so it's someone yeah so you've got 
two kind of criteria, two people or two different sources there. You've got kind of friends or personal relationships, and then you've got someone with a bit of like authority on the matter. So again, someone yeah. credible who's probably done a bit more research and it probably depends what sort of thing. But I think it all comes down to trust. And I think that's specifically why, or one of the reasons why um, influencers being very relatable or almost like normal people is really important. So I was looking into some stats and I think universally, a lot of these stats in terms of what influences people. So like word of mouth, different types of advertising, professional kind of badges of endorsement or whatever. The one that always comes up pretty much top is recommendations from friends. And yeah, I think you're right. It does differ depending on what sort of product it is. Like maybe if it's a low investment from a price point of view or from like an importance point of view, again, just your average Joe friend, their opinion probably has a lot more weight than like something which is very important or maybe technical in some way where you need a bit of expertise. But sometimes that's not even the case. So for example, baby products is a really interesting category. If you look at a list of what influences new moms to buy anything for their baby, the, th- the really kind of surprising thing for me was that the top influencer for a new mom is their friend who's had a baby, then followed by their own mum. Uh, over and above things like your <laughs> mum is number two. Yeah, mum's number two. But that's something because that's mum had a baby twenty years ago. Like, shut up, mum. Times right. have changed. Whereas your friend has done it, you know, last year. So, not that mum would be using those paper pin old old nappies because your mum's probably not that old. But you see what I mean. Times change. So, <laughs> mum's probably not from the fifties. Mum's probably no longer from the fifties. But yeah over and above professional endorsements like a midwife or a doctor or whatever and I think that's really interesting because obviously babies are something which are very precious that you need to keep alive so I would have thought that a doctor's recommendation might come might come up a bit higher but no your your friend who's just had a baby she's more relatable Mm. and maybe even more trustworthy so I think that's what influences it all comes down to it's this personal factor so I was looking into some stats about are influencers actually effective and um so this is one from a study by some guys one's uh, called jay bayer and daniel lehman so this is from 2018 so a little bit out slightly outdated considering how fast moving everything is with kind of influencers and the internet at the moment but um nevertheless it has this big headline stat that 83 percent of people say that word of mouth influences their purchase and i think it's very key that they you know they that's them saying that right that's claimed so I think mm. it's probably more than that um, or is it people don't want to necessarily admit that's yeah maybe so I'd, I'd I'd inflate those I think those are probably like undercalled or is this um, just basically people being like oh no I'm not I've never, I no, do no. research into exactly. every investment I make exactly. toothpaste or and Bitcoin. who and if you would like who do you think Basically, there was an interesting kind of demographic split in this study as well, because apparently like younger people Mm. are supposed, you know, more influenced by recommendations or word of mouth than older people, or at least they they claim to be right. So older people seem to put a lot more stead into like experts and professionals, whereas younger people are much more likely to listen to their mates. And there was a great stat, which is that 70 percent of teenagers trust and are more kind of influenced by influencers quote unquote versus celebrities 
which I think is not surprising. And I think it kind of backs up that these people, like if you think about friends being the most influential people in, in anyone's circle versus adverts versus professionals, whatever. And then if influ- if teenagers are there saying influencers are even more influential than celebrities, I think it supports this whole thing that influencers are just normies. Yeah. So I guess heretofore, when we mm. say influencer, whilst mm-hmm. we accept that celebrities can be influencers, we're largely sure. referring to the like accessible, aspirational yes. mate figure. Exactly. They're a bit above, their lifestyle is better than what yours is currently, but not so outlandishly not far away that yes. you're like, well, why would I even, you know, I'm never going to have my 30th birthday on an island the Caribbean (laughs) but (laughs) or or book a restaurant uh, in secret like Rita Aurora yeah but I might paint my wall sage if I ever own a flat um so I'm really thinking about sage a lot recently exactly need to get off Instagram Um, it's a great color maybe that's the new maybe that's the new millennial pink like influencer sage um I wanted to ask you a kind of technical question if I may sure we have kind of like a few different types of content that could be essentially a company interacting with an influencer to get them to promote their stuff. You have um, gifted, you have ad content, partnerships. So I'm Uh going to guess what these things mean. And I want you to tell me how wrong I am. (laughs) Okay, so when is like PR product gifted, that is basically you've got a thing for free. You got an item. You own yes. an item, but you didn't get like money on top of that. It's just the like object. Am I correct? Yes. It's terrific. Uh, yes, you are correct. But there. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's got. A There's a technicality. There's a technicality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They all have a proviso. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. I love a. I love a proviso. Um, an ad, I would say, is you got some money for this. They said. Here is X number of pounds or euros or perhaps dollars, any currency for you to do a story or a Instagram like feed post about our thing. Here's here's some cash, lovely cash. Mm-hmm. And then I think a partnership. Um, oh, uh-huh. I'm going to say uh, a partnership is like a kind of like a multi-post deal. So you're going to keep advertising their stuff for a certain number of posts or stories or certain length of time where you have to do x number of shout outs to them how do i do okay yeah pop quiz so you are broadly correct but um i think this whole thing ties into that this is a woolly topic so this stuff is in in terms of like coding or correct labeling of um branded content if we call it it's something that's evolved a lot over the past I'd say five to ten years and it's something that differs by country so more or less the UK um, in general as well as on influencer style marketing has some of the strictest regulations in the world stricter than the US and as I found in my job currently stricter than in Ireland I think one thing to bear in mind is it doesn't it's not universal across the world so obviously, if you're following a load of US influence, for example, you might see something a little bit different. But yes, it is woolly. And there's been a big onus by 
all of the branding powers that be in the UK to crack down on influencers going rogue to really define this well. So in 2019, the ASA, the Advertising Standards Agency in the UK, released a 20-page guide to help influencers label their content correctly. Fun. Yeah, I thought you'd enjoy this. And typically... Exactly. And there's like little infographics in there. And (laughs) lovely infographic. And typically the onus is on the influencer to get this right. Like if the influencer gets it wrong, yes, the brand also gets a slap and gets a challenge or whatever, but the influencer also has to get it right. They have an incentive. Otherwise they will get potentially legal ramifications and like reputational uh, clapbacks from from their followers as well so yeah there's been lots released to help people get this right so and what else what is also in this document is well as well as the 20 pages one of the summaries is a fun flow chart like you used to get in you know sugar magazine <laughs> so oh, like a quiz like a quiz <laughs> <laughs> to make something consumable and easy for us millennials who can't digest yeah long form information um so I thought what we could do is go through a few of these now it is quite boring to do the whole flow chart so I thought I'd just call some out okay and let's see how this works so a lot of what you say in there was about money yeah okay are you receiving money for promoting a product slash service slash brand in this post okay I'll be a fancy influencer you, you be the Anna edit um Oh, I don't want to be the Anna edit. I don't want okay. to. I'll be Who'd someone else. Be? I'll be the Laura edit. Okay, you be the Laura edit. That's yeah. um, probably more easy to do an impression Less of. Slanderous. Less yeah. <laughs> We've already taken down Davina McCall's mom. Let's not. Um, <laughs> let's not risk our ourselves anymore. Go on. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm getting money for this. You're content. getting money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you been told to say specific things about the product or to include specific information by the brand? Oh, okay. Um, so, for example, the toothpaste company is like, you really got to mention the whitening factors of the toothpaste. Like, that yes. is the hard. Okay, so let's say yes. Okay. I've been informed. It's an ad! Hey! <laughs> what, so, if, what if they didn't tell me, but they pay me money? They're like, you can say wait. whatever you want. Okay. okay. Wait, you're, you're going off the flowchart. I'm so sorry. Okay. It's an ad. So yes, if you are being paid and you've been told to say specific things, be those kind of like information about the brand, which we or which we might call claims, or like specific hashtags, you know, not to say the product's a load of shit, then yes, it is an ad. Okay. Okay, here's another one. What about if you haven't been told to say anything specific? What about let's say I'm a brand, I've sent you something paid you a bit of cash you can say broadly what you want but what about if the brand then has approval oh it's so if, 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 if johnny mr brand like me over here yeah uh, gets sent back the post then yes it is also it's an ad, it's an ad! yay <laughs> um okay okay what about are you receiving money for promoting a product service brand in this post say you're not okay. but what about if you're receiving just something nice in in the post like a little a little lots of toothpaste yeah lots of toothpaste so a gift a year's um, supply of toothpaste okay so let's say we send you a year's supply of toothpaste but 
you haven't been told to say anything specific about it. Okay. And Johnny Mr. Brand doesn't get to approve what you say. You just get to post it off your own back. That is not an ad. So okay. you, are, you are correct. This is where it starts to get a bit woolly. That is more gifted territory. So basically, I'm not going to go through this whole flowchart because more or less the answer is it's an ad. But <laughs> the kind of, there, are, there are two key vectors of what makes something an ad. One is money and the other is control. brand control so what you might I don't know what you might not realize is if a brand has final approval on a post like the amount of back and forth between an influencer who has created a nice piece of content Mm. versus Johnny Mr. Brand like me sat at the other end of their laptop going no actually I think you need to redo everything Mm -hmm. um that is ultimately what makes something an ad what if go on you Johnny Mr. Brand toothpaste company give me money to do an Mm -hmm. ad but you don't get final approval you just pop that money in and then I can just literally say didn't use this excellent excellent question because I saw this on the flowchart this also is on the ASA's fancy flowchart and my thinking as as someone who works in this area was why the hell would you do that (laughs) you idiot but that is then a the most woolly of the territories that I could figure out. So mm-hmm. that is a bit more like sponsored. So, uh, you should, so that is kind of more of a blur the lines of like an ambassador or a partnership. So you might have like a long-term working relationship where you get a certain amount of money, you're somehow associated with the brand, mm-hmm. but the the controls of what the brand have asked you to do are a bit looser. So they might say, please can you be associated with this brand? Please can you do a few posts? But so you might so for example those posts that you do they might be an ad because they might have been regulated and, and approved by the brand but then let's say you're still under a contract over six to 12 months to be associated with that brand but then you just happen just because you've got a load of this free stuff lying around you happen to use say this shampoo that you've been sent mm-hmm. and you happen to post about it the brand hasn't approved that the brand hasn't specifically told you what to say but mm-hmm. you have received money from the brand in the past you're somewhat affiliated so you have that money element, but less of the control. So you're more, you have to disclose that you're like a paid partnership. So there's control and money are the two main things, but the broad rule is make it obvious. So yes, you can put hashtag ad, but what you can't do is like bury that in a sea of hashtags at the bottom of the post. So the, the kind of thing that I took away from from reading this ASA 20 page bloody document and from having worked in it in a, a a while and still not always getting it exactly right is it is really complicated Mm. and like I said it is evolving but there you go control money make it obvious I just feel like so much of modern society comes down to control and money (laughs) every time you say that I'm like ooh, all right it's another podcast yeah (laughs) that's a whole other podcast there (laughs) that's capitalism baby (laughs) that's just how capitalism gets you um Okay, so kind of piggybacking off that, Mm. this is obviously an area of like a lot of scrutiny and concern because for a while it was a bit more kind of like Wild West. You just didn't have to disclose stuff. So you could be paid money, but because this is such like a new medium, they just Mm. hadn't written the laws yet to kind of be like, and you have to actually disclose this and you have to disclose that. And this is obviously just like an area where a lot of people are very invested in transparency so I'm asking yes. you, Faye Crookshank, hmm. 
why is this the case? Like, why does it feel sinister for ads not to be disclosed? And why does that hurt? Yeah, that it is a good question because, yeah, essentially we get asked this a lot if we go and, you know, talk about our amazing influencer campaigns with such and such kind of supermarket or whatever in a, in a way of saying, hey, mate, look how great our brand plans are. Please list all of, all of our products in your shop. A lot of them will ask us like, hey, but don't people not believe influencers anymore? Like, hasn't all the trust gone? Doesn't that make them not very effective? And I think it's a really interesting one because my kind of answer that to that a lot of the time is I don't think it matters from a cynical from a cynical point of view, like that people know things are ads. So sorry, I was saying why is it sinister that if they it's don't concealed, know it's I'm assuming that's to do with trust and like the loss of authenticity. I don't know if that's like what your kind of view is. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's the same. That's the same sort of territory, I think, as like paid for reviews and mm. as in reviews that aren't actually real. I think, yeah, ultimately, it's it's the same as um, putting out a claim on your TV adverts, which ultimately isn't true. So you know, this cream removes 95% of wrinkles in three weeks like I think it yeah you can't be like fooling the general public and and saying things that are incorrect so there is kind of a sinister element to that but I think it's just something that yeah you're right wasn't regulated and now is being regulated I guess like my view is that people don't like feeling lied to or manipulated so even though you might to a completely honest sponsored post, you know, Laura edit might really like this toothpaste. Mm. But if I don't mention that I've been paid for it, people will be like, well, how can we take you seriously? You obviously have skin in this game. This isn't a spontaneous mm. review. And yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm asking is, is it really that simple? Is it basically just fundamentally people want to trust that what you're doing, you're saying, honestly or if you know you are getting something for at least you're like telling us you are yeah I think influencers you'll notice from a lot of influencer posts and this whole ASA you know the onus is on you to get it right like they don't influencers don't want to dupe people because they are they are riding off the back of trust and being someone's mate to in a sense if we all we like we discussed we know that's kind of why they're so effective so I think it is in the best interest of the influencers not to be duping people and I don't know I would have thought that in in the past when um, there was a bit more of a gray area and it wasn't as well regulated that it wasn't that the influencer was like oh let's trick our followers into thinking we weren't be paid it was just more that there wasn't a law so they didn't want to look like they were being sold out um mm. so yeah I think it is it, it is something which would which would harm the influencer's reputation now yeah I guess it's like a weird thing because with a sort of lifestyle influencer, almost your sellable thing is the fact that people trust you. So you have to cultivate authenticity. You have to cultivate that connection with people so they actually believe in you. And that is kind of what you can market. So it's kind of an interesting balance that as you seek, if you seek to monetize your Instagram, for example, you have to not monetize it long enough so that people yeah. care when you do get to an advert it, exactly so 
what you'll often find influencers doing is they will protect their own brand when they work with brands uh, in a couple of ways. Like one will be, um, I will only do X number of branded posts in a given week. Mm -hmm. So um, they won't necessarily just make, they'll make sure that every single post they do isn't like ad, 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 ad. And the level of, of regulation with this is amazing. You know, every three of my grid posts will be an ad and, and no more. Or um, what we often see again is, so another way they'll regulate it is the way that they do their posts. So like I said, when we're going back and forth with an influencer and being like, okay, why the hell are you brushing your teeth in your garden? Please, can you do it in your bathroom? We might also be saying, hey, can you make sure that that toothbrush that we've paid you X amount of money to feature in your posts, can you make sure that that's visible? And Mm -hmm. can you make sure the brand is visible? And what we'll often see is a lot of, kind of first draft post from the influencer when where the brand is like a tiny little speck in the corner of the post and the rest of the post is their bathroom with loads of other products mm. or them using a lipstick but then they'll also have their nice designer handbag in frame and all of the comments from their followers will be I love your bag where'd yeah. you get that and the brand is like no what about my lipstick so um so there is a lot of effort from the side of the influencers to protect their own brands and the better these influencers get and the more followers they get, the more that they can do that. So make no mistake that I'm sure the Anna Edit and Zoella are incredibly tight in terms of what they will accept from a brand and, and what they won't do. So, so yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, it is kind of that sense of marketing authenticity is such a sort of like... Regulated. <laughs> thing. Yeah, well, because like it is that sense of how many non-sponsored opinions do you have to get until you could get Yeah, what's the opinion? magic number, right? Before yeah. you become a boy who cried. But that's Folk. it. Like, yeah, like what's the ratio of genuine spontaneous posts to sure. sponsored posts? And, it's a tricky and something, one. Else that, something else they don't like is brands will often say, hey, if we contract you to do a number of posts with us, you can't talk about any other like competing brands for X number of months around um, around that. So if we want you to talk about our shampoo, please do not talk about any of the shampoos for six months, in which case influencers often don't like that. And they say, well, what about three months? Because yeah, you're right. Like they want to look like, like normal people aren't brand loyal, like at all. So normal people to be authentic and to cultivate this brand like you see how many foundations and moisturizers influencers use they don't just want to be put in this box of i only use this one brand because then it will ruin their authenticity but for us as a you know mr joe brand Mm. (laughs) or mrs joe brand that's bad but on the same right on the flip side if they've just spent ages talking about how great one moisturizer is and then the next day they're like this is actually my favorite moisturizer for another brand they'll look a bit dodgy as well right so there's a whole balancing act in terms of you don't want to be seen as only talking about one thing ever but you don't want to be seen as like a brand slut because then it won't look authentic either so um yeah oh the dance you dance i know (laughs) um going back to just the idea of people you said people don't care if things are branded Mm. content um can you kind of go into that a little bit more for me that people yes. are fine with ads. Yes. And I think what I pull you away from more about is do they care or not? So ultimately, ads are ads. And as long as it's tagged correctly, 
I don't think that having something as hashtag ad devalues it in terms of, or devalues it significantly. So for example, if you look at just broad advertising, right, what you're trying to do for a lot of the case is just drive like salience, just drive a wet door, just be there and be big and popular and just be the brand that people see. So for example, on the TV, everyone's aware that an advert is an ad and TV ads, like people might not, you know, say, I love ads. I'm now going to consciously go out and buy this thing. Thank you, Mr. Advertising man. But, um, you know, they do see brands and they'll see them a number of times. And then when they go shopping, they'll be like, oh, there's that brand I saw, which often all happens very subconsciously. So a lot of the time, what brands are trying to do is get awareness and get basically reach people in a space where they are open to thinking about brands. So um, when you're on Instagram, like I was saying earlier, it is a bit of a shopping environment and it's a little bit closer to the moment of purchase right because you can just swipe up and and click on something and buy something so you're kind of in that headspace of oh I might buy something so I think having hashtag ad there often delivered from someone whose authentic content you follow anyway and whose general content you engage with it's just a way of getting your brand in front of someone delivered from a message delivered by again a third party who isn't the brand who we know is more trustworthy even if it is an ad even if they have been paid to say something. So I think it's just about, a lot of the time, reach in in a much more kind of engaging way rather than like a formulaic advert. And bear in mind that stat about young people, you know, like more and more young people aren't watching TV. So it's just becoming a different way of advertising to people. So I guess... In my head, I was like, oh, people are being really like scrutinizing these influencers because their relationship with them is so like different than it is with a magazine or a television. But maybe kind of from what you're saying, it sounds like people are just sort of recognizing that this is part of the environment now. Like I hate to say the new normal. Yeah, (laughs) it is the new normal. Yeah. But like as in if you pick up a copy of um, Cosmo or whatever, you Mm. expect for there to be full page ads in it. If Mm. you go on the tube, you expect to see adverts. So kind of maybe this is just like simply another platform. Perhaps originally we were really um, trying to sneak through that kind of bloggy, vloggy, personal recommendation thing. But now, you know, we're all pretty wise to the fact that brands are trying to sell us to stuff and we accept it. We're here for it. (laughs) I think also, yeah. And And you're right. Like there are nuances. Like if you see an article... Um, before influencers and still now there were these things called advertorials mm. which are again a much more credit like basically it's getting the beauty editor at Cosmo to write about your brand rather than you writing it so it's not like hey this is an advert in your face it's this sort of hybrid of um, editorial so like normal article someone has written off their own back versus an advert and yeah I think sometimes I as a consumer look at them and go like oh it's an advertorial but sometimes it's just done in a really nice way in the style of a magazine that you read you know a style that you're kind of familiar with then you go oh yeah I'll have a little read of that and I think there's a lot to be said in terms of like dwell time as well so you know how long do you spend looking at a brand's like big print display advert versus how long might you spend engaging with an influencer post or an advertorial 
editorial article. So it's kind of, again, like as a brand, cheating your way to making consumers actually engage with you rather than just being like, oh, an ad, that's nice. Let's skip. So I've got a question for you. Uh-huh. Um, as Mr. Ms. Mrs. Dr. Joe Brand, I've kind of got your name. I've got your weird alternative name. Uh, to use my full name. <laughs> Esquire. Um, okay, so what do you look for in an influencer? There are so many people on Instagram you could ask to sell your stuff. You got your influencers, you got your micro influencers, who I suppose are just people with slightly smaller followings, but perhaps, you know still really good connections with their followings mm-hmm. what are you what are you looking for when you're shopping for a shopping for an influencer to show your stuff sure so yeah broad question i think when you well i don't know how long how much i want to go into this but in terms of like when brands are looking to use influencers most brands won't be using just influencers as a way to kind of build their brand and grow their brand most brands will be using influencers to do something on top of of something else and I think regardless of that either way one of the first things you look for when you're looking at influencers is their we call it reach so reach is just like how many people how many eyeballs will see it Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of one factor in terms of how we select people and there are so many tools that basically PR agencies or influencer agencies have in order to see all this data and basically compare influencers versus influencer from the data alone. So almost Mm. before you might even start looking at like, oh, who is this girl and what does she represent? It's a numbers game. So you might be looking at how many followers they have, where those followers are based. Like, for example, if half of them are in the US when you're trying to grow a brand in the UK, Uh, half might be fine but basically you want to make sure that the followers are where you want to sell your product um are they you know what's their percentage of like men or women young and old blah 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 so all these kind of factors in terms of what their audience is like and then how quote-unquote engaged their audience are what's their sort of likes and comments like on the posts how long do people dwell on their stories um do they watch everyone like every frame of their stories etc so having good reach and, and good engagement will at least put you on like a short list. But, and, and I think one thing that I didn't know, and it's definitely sort of evolved throughout like the last few years is just because someone has like 4 million followers, like Mrs. Hinch, actually because of the, the algorithm and the way it all works, only about 5% of her followers will see your post mm-hmm. or maybe for someone like Hinch is a bit more, but Essentially, just because someone has X number of followers doesn't mean that every single one of their followers will see that advert. So my point in that is influencer marketing is really expensive in terms of like trying to reach people. But anyway, that's a side point. So yeah, first, it's a numbers game. And then secondly, yeah, it's all about does your brand fit with them? What's their vibe? Does their brand gel with who you are as a brand? But different brands and different kind of things will put different like levels of importance on that like for example uh I remember lots of discussions when I was working on something about about like mummy influencers which is a term I absolutely hate (laughs) these mummy Mm. mummy influencers mummy bloggers who are the most powerful people on the internet incidentally yes they are a force to be reckoned with but but kind of mummy influencers, mummy bloggers, 
and their power versus, say, more like celebrities who also have an Instagram following and have kids. So like people from TOWIE and people, you know, people who um, just happen to have babies, but might be, you might consider them more of a celebrity. And lots of arguments about, well, do we use these more kind of wholesome mommy bloggers who've, con- who've kind of created this you know, very wholesome image? Or are we happy to use kind of the one from from Taui who might have less of a wholesome image but but is somehow more relatable to more down to earth but maybe a little bit kind of rough around the edges might be the term that you'll hear brands using you know do they really reflect the values that our brand has and you honestly brands will have so many arguments about this like do they fit our brand equity and do they um if we associate with them will we hurt our brand and there's obviously a limit in terms of how far maybe you should go because yeah maybe maybe you don't want to associate with certain people as as your brand and that's a whole a whole conversation but sometimes that influencer that is a bit rough around the edges will have a mega engagement and like ultimately if influencers again are all about how much you relate to someone like because they feel like an extension of you then great like does it you know does it matter so much if they aren't the perfect wholesome embodiment that your mommy brand might be trying to be or is it better that they're just being told about it by someone who they actually relate to and think is a bit more like them so this whole question of like who which blogger should I choose I really again I think it should be more of a numbers game but lots of conversations about you know do we do we think this this lady is a good representation of what we're trying to build or stand for that's interesting. That feels quite old-fashioned in a way. Mm. Um, that mm. feels sort of That's like a, <laughs> yeah. It it's feels, horrible. <laughs> it feels quite sixties to sort of be like, yeah, oh yeah. no, like we couldn't possibly have someone who doesn't seem like kind of a. I mean, I guess in the case of a mummy blogger, um, people might say like a kind of Stepford wife figure of like someone who's like you know very yeah. cleany, like perfect that sort of thing. Um, exactly. I would have said that perfection feels a bit outdated now, and people almost like it when someone's a bit like, oh yeah. well, ordered a takeout because I couldn't be ours to cook. Because yeah. we're like, 100%. yes, I too cannot be ours to cook. <laughs> you have a 100%. baby. You have other stuff going on. Bedroom. Um, how do you find though, like? micro influencers are a whole other thing because if it was purely just a numbers game it would only be like yeah. a handful of people are getting all the stuff for their particular niche but we know that's not the case we know like micro influencers are gifted stuff or paid to do little videos and mm-hmm. things like that so how do you balance the i'm guessing micro versus the micro versus macro guys. i imagine part of it is to do with like the different communities they appeal to and part of it's just to do with money and like your budgets. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're right on the money thing. And you'd be right on the community thing. So ultimately, um, what you'd be trying to do when you're kind of setting up an influencer campaign is, like I said, it all comes back to reach. And if you are getting one influencer to talk about your brand and another influencer to talk about your brand, ideally the crossover between their followers would be minimal so mm. that you'd be reaching the most like incremental people through those. So you might find, uh, I know this is something you were asking a question about the other day, you might find two very different influencers appealing mm. to two very different sets of followers um, pushing the same product. And yeah, so I think a lot of it is is really about reach. And then a hundred percent about money so the thing with gifted is it's it's cheap man 
But yeah. like as we know, what doesn't gifting get you? Control. Control. So gifting, you have for a start, you've got no guarantee that anyone will even post. So you might send someone a really nice gift bag, but like you, they, you don't know if it's just going to be lost in the. Like you've seen some of these influencers; they get posted a load of stuff every week. Their PO boxes are absolutely exploding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no guarantee that they'll post. You have no control. So the post might be literally the pack shot. Thank you. Like sorry, the pack shot. I need like a industry language swear box thing. The the pack. <laughs> As in, like, literally the product. Oh, oh okay. A pack shot is a picture of the product in question. Why not just say a product shot? <laughs> because we are all androids. That's silly. <laughs> you're silly. Okay, sorry. sorry you're... Out when I usually <laughs> The pack shot. We'll do, we'll do a list. We'll do we'll a... Do a glossary. We'll do a glossary. glossary. Oh, that's fun. Lovely. Just more information that people do not need. Um, okay, yeah, it might just literally be the product in their hand, like cheers, or it might be a, you know, in, in situ shot, like a, the product in use, like in a more authentic way or whatever. And yeah, I think gifting, it's really cheap. So you can send it out to a lot of people. And if you're if it's a nice proposition and depending on even sometimes your relationship because like I said, these influencers are often negotiated through broader like PR or influencer agencies. Mm. If you happen to have a good relationship, it might not even be any money changing hands, but relationships count in PR and they might post just because, you know, they don't want to ruin the relationship with this influencer agency, meaning they might get fewer freebies. So, yeah. yeah. Or I guess you might be like, if big makeup brand is posting me something for free in the future, they might pay me if I play ball a bit now like you have to just kind of the relationship thing is quite important and interesting I think is that Mm. we're just talking about a lot of like business people every single influencer is like a business person trying to figure out like how they're going to navigate these future links and if there's like anything to be gained in the future so that's smart and I guess quite a few of them will be like I've been gifted a you know pack of toothpaste whatever I'm not going to work for this toothpaste company like this is cheeky but yeah, if they're a big like dentist influencer, they might be like this because it's the start of something really. Yeah. I wish more of those existed. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me. But, uh, anyway, um, yeah, so that's why you'll often see smaller influence, like micro a micro influencer. Again, the definition varies, but often for the UK, for example, it might be has fewer than ten thousand followers or so. Yeah, my, basically smaller influencers. You're right; they're trying to get on the ladder. It's like a Ponzi scheme, so they will do more oh, no. posts for gifted stuff because it opens up the possibility of being paid. You're right. So I feel like that's so, not yeah, a Ponzi micro macro. <laughs> Our Ponzi schemes like fundamentally. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't, we're not bankers. No, absolutely are not. The Ponzi scheme episode is another episode. That's when you that really... I will not be presenting. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that massive career change of yours. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any listeners out there, don't get involved in Ponzi schemes. Uh, that's the moral for today's episode. Faye, I've got, I've got something I've been thinking about this week. It's what you've been thinking about. It's really tearing you apart. Me. It's me. <laughs> Lisa, it like much like Lisa. This is me. <laughs> tearing me apart. Um. I've recently followed some people who are more in this kind of lifestyle influencer vein, and I've you know noticed some posts with mm-hmm. hashtags 
Oh, my favourite subject. So, I struggle with corporate hashtags. I should put them that way, perhaps. Because I really wonder who this is for and what this does to your overall advertising campaign. So, for example, uh, there was a hashtag associated with a um, Quaker Oats post. I believe the hashtag was... Um, have 2021 for breakfast something along those lines okay Uh, quite a long one actually interesting yes (laughs) yeah so out of curiosity i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna click on this and i'm gonna see what other posts come up i'm gonna see if anyone is just (laughs) organically using this (laughs) and the answer is Faye. i saw some other people clearly were other influencers Uh um i think they're probably how many hashtags did you see like Ooh, let's have a little look um but yeah my i suppose my question here is if you're in pursuit of authenticity mm-hmm. why would you ask your people because presumably that was like a condition of the advert was to use the hashtag why would you use a hashtag yes, that yes. really draws attention to the fact that this is inauthentic and there was kind of a um, <laughs> there was like a structure to the post so i feel like all the posts were kind of like oh, this year I'm doing this around breakfast time and also I'm eating lovely Quaker oats or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it definitely felt like there was sort of a brief behind all these different posts. So maybe I'm yes. the only person who's actually clicked and compared <laughs> on this particular hashtag. But I don't think normal people will use branded hashtags unless there's something okay. they could possibly gain from it. Like, maybe if it's a competition or something and you have to use it to, like, flag your post. But I don't sure. think we're going to just you know, from the goodness of our hearts, be no. like, I will join in Quaker Oats or other brand here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Terrible brand hashtags is a real passion of mine in terms of like what what possibly could compel you to use this stupid hashtag as a brand or as a consumer. One of my favourite shit hashtags I ever saw incidentally was the supermarket Iceland. Oh, yeah. So I was uh, walking along outside at one of the Iceland shops in when I used to live in the UK and on their window display was the hashtag power of frozen <laughs> and I was just like okay I, I really want to google immediately hashtag power of frozen and engage with you Iceland thank you very much <laughs> yeah so terrible hashtags you're exactly right to be cynical about this I think about 10 years ago when hashtags became like a a thing that was connected with viral ability for (laughs) lack of a better word Uh, a lot of marketeers thought that hashtags was a way to get something to quote unquote go viral Mm -hmm. so getting something to go viral was often in the brief of an advertising campaign Um, and a hashtag would be like "We, we need a hashtag so obviously that's why Iceland's hashtag power of frozen was created like hashtags become almost like a tick box exercise that every campaign will often have as like we we need to have a strap line we need to have a brand visual we need to have a hashtag so yeah who is clicking on these hashtags no one so i've um now looked at how many posts there are for have 2021 for breakfast and there's an account called xx underscore oats who i don't (laughs) believe are affiliated at all i think they were probably just Doing it off is, that a, is that an adults only 
Um, I don't know. So they um, XX Oats. I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five posts from them. Um, protein Oats. Yeah. So they just seem to be someone who likes that vibe. There's right. the Fit Londoner. So then in terms of the actual ads, I've got one, two, ten actual ad posts. Wow. And um, a bunch of content from my new favorite account who just really seems to be like vibing <laughs> breakfast. I actually quite like XX underscore Oats vibe. I hope they gain some followers from my constant repetition of their well, name. Well, there you go. But um, good for you guys. Yeah, I'd say for the normal person yeah. who isn't <laughs> clicking on these hashtags, I genuinely think that having, I, I mean, I don't think that there is no role to having a hashtag in your campaign, but I think it comes down to being more of like an output than mm. an input and what I mean by that is almost a way to measure your campaign and kind of how broadly it's been used so just a way for people like you know the people who hold the purse strings to be like marketers we have this existential crisis all the time right we're obsessed with how much we can actually prove our worth rather than just like stick it on half price that's the reason the brand grew so mm. we're always trying and always striving to prove that we have a reason to exist so hashtags fit as part of this broader quest for measurement and they're observable they're not something you can just plug in like once something has already started trending if your campaign has started trending which some do like if they're you know very good and zeitgeisty or whatever it's a Christmas um, ad yeah then you can see the hashtag but just by virtue of creating a hashtag you don't make something trend so I think it is often just a measurement piece but if it's a measurement piece that nobody engages with. But a measurement measuring? internally. Well, exactly. Like how many people have like used this term? And exactly, if if you're, if the objective of your campaign is to try and make people use this hashtag as a way to try and make it look like, or, you know, drive buzz, getting people to use a certain phrase or thereby very performatively publicly engaging with your brand, then... Um, then that's success. But if you're like most campaigns, the objective is just awareness, like look at this advert and buy it, please. Then they, no one will post, no one will talk about that hashtag. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a dream that people will use it. Yeah. And then when they do, you can be like, exactly. there. It's, it's this whole obsession it. that marketers have that people, that average people want to really engage with adverts. And you're right. Other than like Christmas ads, they really don't. So lesson guys you don't need a hashtag but it's a nice thing if you want to potentially want. measure your content if yeah, you have an objective of sharing a hashtag it just kind of feels like a bit of a hangover from oh yeah from when like, twitter started yeah yeah because I, mean, I think just in general people are using maybe that's hashtag best <laughs> <laughs> um yes i god i feel like we kind of covered a lot um yeah what have we learned we've learned chill on the hashtags we yes. learned that we're in pursuit of authenticity but also kind of okay as long as we know that we're being advertised to to accept that's the way of the world we've learned that the queen is an influencer there we go so i guess <laughs> listener what we're leaving you on is um the anna edit and zoella and all these uk influencers they just can't compete with the Dwayne Johnson, please tell me he does cooking posts. Like, can you smell what I'm cooking? It's Pop-Tarts. Um, 
I'm going to have to Google that for you. Fami- you're familiar with that phrase, right? Can you smell what the rock is cooking? Come on, that was a good joke. Well, oh. I'm, I'm sure it was great. Obviously, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wasted on me. Wasted. I, yeah, wasted. It's okay. I'm well, that, that literally. Oh. Next time, I will um, be replaced with someone who understands references and. My terrible wrestling references. Yeah. All right. Bye, everyone, for now. Bye. Bye.